0: Good morning. I'm Dan Noon. I'm the CEO of uh, G2 Goldfields. The list is on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the symbol GTWO and on the OTCQX as G U Y G F. With me today, I have our Vice President of Exploration, Boaz Wade, calling in from Georgetown, Guyana. Uh, we are a, a gold explorer who has made a discovery down in the northern Guyana in Greenstone Belt. It's the OCO deposit. We recently released our initial resource. It is uh, 974,000 ounces of inferred mineralization gold at uh, 9.5 grams per tonne. And also we have 220,000 ounces of gold in indicated at 8.3 grams per tonne. So it's exciting times and we are looking forward to having a conversation with Merlin today.
1: Dan, thank you very much. Great introduction. Um it's nice to meet you. Um, I'm completely new to G2 uh, Goldfield, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to learning more about your project uh, over the next uh, short while. So thank you very much for taking the time to join us.
2: Our pleasure.
1: Actually, before we kind of get stuck into the detail, could you give me um, a quick background on where it is in, in Guyana? Because I, I've got these kind of vestigial memories that there are a few gold mines in 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 ghana i've you know Omai oh and you know they're, they're big and I, I just don't know where they are relative to um okay so if you uh, can, can perhaps dan it'd be a good thing to pull up a regional map or a um uh, most yeah. and just 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 by the way how long have you been working on it and you know what's the kind of the discovery process been on this
0: okay we started um uh, drilling in oko in november of 2019 so our first hole uh, actually discovered uh, the OK deposit. Uh, we did that deal. We closed the deal in October. We had acquired a company called Bardica Investments that had the land position down there. We then did a deal to expand that land and we've been drilling since. So we started with one rig uh, towards the end of the second half of last year. We increased that to two rigs and moving forward, we will be uh, increasing that to three in the next couple of weeks. So I've just brought up the uh, image of Guyana here. It is... Um, It's in northern, northeastern South America. Uh, Where we are is in this northern part of Guyana. Uh, Georgetown is over here. And so you have the Venezuelan border, and then we're in the northern part of the Greenstones here. Uh, Aurora is about 70 kilometres to the northwest of us. That's 6.5 million ounces, and that's uh, mined by Zijin Mining. Uh, Toraparu is a deposit that's going into production, GCM Mining from Columbia is uh, started that process of upgrading the road out to the Toro for the construction, uh, Omai, which mined 4.5 million ounces historically, is down here in the south on the Esaquibo River, and then there's the Karuni uh, deposit which Troy Resources from Australia uh, was mining. So we're in the centre of this area, so we're the Aramu Oko district here, and we also have the Peterson Jubilee, but our main focus to date has been the Oco deposit right here
1: you showed that you had four um, four project areas there which was which were the two that you, what was what was the start of the, um, what, what did you pick up first and where did you expand your land position to
0: okay so originally we picked up the we had the Aramu claims within Bar investments and we then added the Oco claims so half of the half of that district and we had the Peters mine and the claims associated with that and we picked up the Jubilee uh, deposit. So Uh, they were the extensions.
1: When you talk about kind of a deposit, do you mean these are artisanal workings so so that kind of essentially it's it's pre-discovered for you by the local diggings?
0: To a degree, we can say that. Um, The Aramu and the Peters mines were historic mines from the early 1900s because there was the gold rush in the 1870s out in this area of uh, alluvial workings. At the headwaters, uh, they found the Peters and Aramu deposits, which were put in production. They were underground mines, high-grade, which mined down to the base of the saprolite, and then they finished. So the Peters mine mined 40,000 ounces at 40 grams, and the uh, Aramu mine mined uh, 6,000 ounces at 14 grams. So they were historic. And then more recently, there has been a lot of artisanal mining, uh, what we call mid-scale mining in Guyana. So at the Oko area, there's certainly – Uh, been washing of open pits, excavators, and uh, currently there still are um, small shafts down there uh, with artisanal miners mining high-grade veins. So it is definitely a mining culture in Guyana, and they are definitely great prospectors. So it's a very symbiotic relationship between us and them.
1: Um, I noticed in your resource that there was some kind of um – Accommodation or some adjustment for the voids associated with artisanal activity, and you and do they also do the artisanal miners just also go down to the base of saprolite?
0: Well, they haven't even got that far yet, but they that, that would stop them. But they're generally, they're down thirty to fifty meters. It's is where they can get to with the technology that they have.
1: And and base of saprolite is how deep? Uh, varies between seventy to one hundred. Okay, wow, wow, that's a deep weathering profile, but um. <laughs> <laughs> um and um one of the first words that jumps out of me on the on the resource was that it's an underground resource um so w- w- what 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 does that mean? Does that mean you kind of you put in a decline and you leave a crown pillar of one hundred and twenty meters or one hundred and fifty meters and um it, i I've just plucked that figure out just because of the the, the depth of saprolite that you've just given me.
0: No, no, basically it, uh, it would be a decline, but the saprolite's quite solid. It's more like plasticine than it is uh, soil. So, no, the, the uh, uh, there is a 10-metre uh, uh, pillar left at the surface, and so basically a decline goes directly in. So that's the way the engineers envision it at the moment. Uh, because they're so nicely tight and defined as uh, high-grade structures, they don't really see the logic of uh, digging a pit on top of it like you commonly would in Western Australia. Here it's... um it would appear that the uh, most cost-effective and profitable way of doing it would be a decline and underground mining from day
1: one. A quick glimpse at your resource table shows that you've got um, a whole bunch of shares there, um, sub-parallel shears presumably, um, and you've it's shares 3 and 5 which hold, hold the most of the resource and that there's some resource in share 4 but the bulk of the resource lies within shears three and five. And are these, um, the, the, this is just across the, the mid Atlantic rift from the, you know, it matches up with West African. So we're talking kind of Burimian age, kind of shear hosted gold, very similar to the stuff that's being mined in West Africa.
0: Absolutely. I mean, our, our model there uh, is, is a Boasi. it's uh, hosted within the carbonaceous uh, shales. You've got these veins uh, near geological contacts, extremely continuous. And high grade. We haven't quite got it as big as a Boise yet, but uh, we, we see that as our model and it certainly holds up. And um, yes, yeah, so very very similar. So as a high grade underground mine, uh, veins that vary between you know, a metre and a half to eight and a half. We, we, we dilute them out to a metre and a half in the resource. Um, and it's very similar, very, very similar. So there's nothing new about this. Uh, it certainly is West Africa and geology. And uh, we think there's a Has the same potential as maybe you saw in Ghana in the early 1990s.
1: So no, no, no pressure, Boaz. You just got to find another. uh, What is it? 14 million ounces.
2: (laughs) That's correct. Yes, I mean, you know, we certainly think that we are in the right geological address to keep adding significant resources. We'd really love for it to be to the tune of 14 million ounces or more. But we'll see about that as we continue exploring the district. But as Dan says, we're, we're basically exploring on the basin margins of the upper Buryme, the, the Gyana shield equivalent of the upper Burimian sequence, those carbonaceous uh, mudstones uh, interbedded with arenaceous sands and silts. And uh, the reason we have these sort of uh, parallel shears across the system is that we've, we've got this unit interstratified with an intermediate volcanic uh, or intermediate volcanic sill units. And it's on those margins between the carb shields and the competent andesites that so we get these shear zones being developed. So we've discovered six of them, in fact, so far. And the high grade seems to be associated with shears number three, four and five out of that.
1: So it's a real logical co- um, contrast between the, the, the sediments which flow more plastically and the andesites which are uh, more competent. That's correct, yes. Okay, interesting. And I noticed—I I didn't realize that there was an Abosi link here, but I saw in the re, in the resource that there's um, good metallurgical recoveries. But there's a, a at least a proportion of the Abosi resource which is refractory. Have you got a kind of a refractory component to the resource uh,
0: here? No, we haven't encountered anything like that yet. So, uh, not to say somewhere in the district there won't be, but certainly at the Eco Main Zone, it's. Uh, extremely simple metallurgically. There's a lot of visible gold and the uh, bulk leg, bulk leech extractable gold uh, tests that we did had 98.3% recoveries in 12 hours. It was quite incredible.
2: Yeah, just just to add a bit to that as well. I mean, in terms of the host rocks and to a degree the structural setting, uh, it's similar to the Oboise system, but the mineralogy is, is a little bit different though. We have significantly less arsenian pyrite in, in our deposit and as Dan said, yeah. Um, you know, in terms of water sulfides that we typically see in our drill core, we've got very trace amounts of galena and chalcopyrite, but it's it's principally a gold um, plus pyrite system, so it's fairly clean metallurgy. And and at least from the initial water roll test that we've done, as Dan mentioned, uh, we had very positive results.
1: And and the gold is hosted on, in the fractures of the pyrite on the um, and it separates well; it leaches well.
2: So majority of the gold is, is uh, occurs a sort of a coarse gold grains within laminated quartz veins that are hosted within the shears on the stratigraphic margins that I was just describing. So uh, Dan mentioned earlier, these veins are typically between one and a half to as wide as about eight meters, um, which is, for instance, an intercept that we had in shear number five in OKD 113, uh, where we had a dilation in one of those vein structures but uh it's it's effectively um one of these sort of quartz reef uh hosted systems where we've got the grade gold within these sort of very planar bodies um and pretty continuous along strike and down dip, uh,
1: within the shoes i noticed that the range on your semi-variograms um for schist um was going kind of 60 70 80 meters i was, I was very surprised by that um, I was also struck by um, the cutoffs, offs the, the, the top cuts you applied uh, it, uh, for shares four and five. I mean, there were 70 grams cut, um, top cut and 60 grams top cut. I mean, these are, these are really, really high top cuts. What, what gives you the confidence to, A, um, uh, project 50, 60, 70 meters along the main axis in your resource calculation and also to have such high top cuts?
0: Well, that, that was uh, not particularly our choice. That was uh, mycon, and it was done by the uh, the uh, statistics of plots on the histograms and um, the variabilities. So we're quite comfortable with those with those numbers, and mycon are as well. They are uh, basically have visited sites several occasions and seen the core, and um, so they're confident with the geological model. Uh, statistically, it hangs together, and you know, really, there, there's not that many uh, crazy numbers. In, in our database Well, we've done our uh, fire screen assay since a uh, whole 28 so we don't get that really silly 500 600 grams ton gold stuff but we also don't get zero when we get visible gold in the in the core so it, it plots amazingly well and and consistently and also with uh, when we sat down with mycon in october and said okay how do we drill this off to get to initial resource they said well you've got to fill all these gaps in and drill here and we said okay here's the plan and we should hit these veins here in these spots and it was amazingly consistent within one to five meters normally of hitting the, the shears where we said that'd be so there is a there's a confidence level geologically that we have the continuity and statistically um the, the plots show that that's where the top cut should be so as and i think as you see like in shears three and four where we get indicated we have that as a uh, about density of drilling to get to that and that's because we started on shear three and then we drilled the shear through to shear four and then later on at about hole 50 we drilled through to shear five so when you see in shears three and four that we end up with an average of 8.5 uh, grams a tonne that's actually higher than the inferred that we get so basically as we fill in uh the the drilling it really does show up the consistency of, of the veining but also the yep. consistency of the grade so where we're pretty comfortable that we've been predictive we've tested it and it's uh hangs in uh, at those grades so we're yeah we're very comfortable with that and as we go we drill forward between now and the end of the year we intend to uh infill the inferred to indicated and yeah, you know, we, we think the, the grades will hang up and certainly the consistency of the veining will be there as well. But that's, that's something we you be predictive, you test it. If it works, then it's fair enough. So. You run
1: with it. I was, I was very glad to see that you were using a four-gram cutoff um, as your as as your lower-grade limit because uh, you, you, the, the note in the resource said that two grams is economic, but you've been conservative it's using four grams. And I was like, phew, that's that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you, because you want to,
0: in the next phase, convert the inferred to indicated, you've got to be a bit harder yeah. on yourself yeah. at the start. So we, yeah. we, we had minimum uh, width of 1.5 metres. So we, if the vein was less than that, we diluted it out. And then we took the cut off to four grams because the deposit hangs together at four grams. The body's, you know, you don't start seeing holes at all. So... You know, I don't, we're, we're, we're trying to create a resource that's going to make a lot of money <laughs> as opposed to just a big one, right? So
1: but the, the blocks, the main blocks you're using are 10 by 10 by three. And I, I saw that and I thought, okay, they're using three, which is a kind of a minimal mining width. Is that what you've got in mind as a minimum mining width of three metres?
0: No, we've we're got a, a minimum mining width of uh, 1.5 metres. And that's basically because in Northern Ontario, five feet's always been the minimum mining width. So people understand that. So, it's like if, if that's
1: what's considered minimum mining width, we'll go with it. But you're not going to have a kind of a modern automated mine. And, uh, but, but, you know, a mechanized mine, yeah. a mechanized mine is, a, is, 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 is it not now three meters? Is it, is it less than that?
0: They have jumbos down to 1.4 meters now. So, uh, if, if you you can mechanize down to 1.5 meters, uh, the question being, do you want it or want it, Do you want to go with air legs and go fully electric underground? rather than having uh, uh, diesel-powered motors? These are questions, I suppose, as we run through a PEA that you'd answer. But, I mean, certainly high-grade vein mining, uh, if if you go with uh, air legs as opposed to uh, jumbos, you certainly get rid of a lot of ventilation issues because you're all electric underground. So, you know, they're they're trade-offs, which we'll look at, Um, but that'll come with the engineers and, and sitting down and figuring out what works best.
1: The, the other thing I didn't quite understand was the child blocks. Um, you, you had these in, in your model, you had child blocks of two by two by half a meter. What, um, what, what role did they play?
2: Yeah, well, um, basically there are some areas within our resource. I mean, the widths of these veins, they're not consistent. They're quite variable from area to area, yeah. right? So uh, where we get to domains where the vein narrows out to um, a meter and a half or sometimes a bit less than that, uh, what Micron has done is basically created those child blocks, effectively to reduce the dilution that we're getting from the bigger block size. So, um, it's really it's it's really to uh, control that aspect of of the tonnage estimation within the resource.
1: Okay, so so to it, slim down the the big blocks, which are three meters across, when the mining width is going to be one and a half meters, you can put child so blocks. You can you can put kind of them in the panels to just say that that's waste and this is all.
2: That's correct. Yes, because you want to control the dilution. You know. At the earliest phase of the resource. So that's, okay. that's been the main sort of um, objective to do
1: that. There's a hell of a progress you've gone from discovery in effectively two years through a pandemic um, from first drill hole when was it late 2019 uh, to Maiden Resource in early 2022. I mean, that's that's that that's great progress. Did, was it difficult in the pandemic? I, I, obviously, yes. But you know, how did you manage it?
0: I think that's an answer for Bowes because I didn't get to go down there during the pandemic, <laughs> and you, you ran the whole operation. So I'll toss that one to you, Bowes. Yeah,
2: sure. Well, I mean, in effect, we we and this is credit to Ms. Violet Smith and her local team out in the country office that has been that have given us a tremendous amount of support. Um, we've effectively had to be a bit more disciplined and, and screen as much of the workers, for instance, uh, before they head into site. So we did a bunch of rapid antigen tests and even a few PCR tests um, back in the early uh, days of COVID when we didn't fully understand it. And um, yeah, we we just tightened up on our protocols at camp as well. So we sort of um, tightened up on on workers being able to go in and out and reduce the frequency of transport and things like that and that has had a tremendously positive impact in terms of helping to uh, control a situation where we had potential outbreaks at our camp. so um, we did have a few uh, instances where we had positive cases um, and you know we we sort of went to isolation and and managed that effectively to prevent a for um, a full spread across the camp. So that's really what has, has helped us to survive.
1: And have you got um, pr- um, prep labs and full analytical labs in Ghana, or is it, do you have to send abroad for the, the assays?
2: Yeah, we use a laboratory, um, MSE Labs. We're a, a certified lab that's based just out to the east of Georgetown. And um, we basically transport all the core and uh, Bedford trucks uh, out of sight along Uh, along the road back into georgetown and
0: we dispatch it to the lab and and that's how that gets done and and let is a canadian lab based in vancouver so they they set up a shop down there about three years ago so uh and they uh, do all our assaying down there so it's at times during the pandemic they had to ship it to uh vancouver because they had a lack of supplies but uh now they're definitely uh assaying everything in country
1: right and it's got it must have quite good capacity there i mean it's probably get better turnarounds there than you would do in vancouver
0: most definitely. Yeah, the, the, now there are once we get the rocks to the lab. Now it's ten days, so that's that's amazing. It's very good. That's,
1: that's super. In your presentation, you had some nice, um, plan views of the kind of you had some aerial photographs with the with the traces of the deposits. Could you pull certainly can. pull some of those up, please?
0: Okay. So there's an image of, of the area. So uh, that's the one. Yeah. So from Aramu Mine in the northwest down to the uh, Oco Main Zone is 17 and a half kilometres. And so this red circle here is what contains the Oko main zone to date. Uh, Then we have the Oko northwest. Now, these squares are three kilometres by three kilometres. It's quite large scale. Uh, We drilled 11 holes into the Oko northwest area in this area in the centre here. You can see all all the artisanal workings uh, scattered through the areas. Uh, This is Tracy. It's a bit earlier stage. That's still a geochemical soil anomaly. The Aramu mine area is four kilometres long. The historic Aramu mine I mentioned before was here, and there's we have the uh, sedimentary package which hosts a high grade running out along here. Uh, to the west, we're drilling currently at the Shepherd Vein. Uh, we also have uh, recently picked up this area on the northwest of the Bardica uh, Batholith, which has a whole series of artisanal workings along that five Ks. And then closer to home, Oko East. We have artisanal workings, again, with grab samples up to an ounce. And between the, um, our Oco Main and our boundary to the south with Reunion, we've made a discovery, uh, we also have the what we call the Gani Zone, and I'll quickly pop to that because here's a photo of the area. This is the Oco Main Zone here. Yeah, block 4 of Reunion is down here. This Gani area is a series of old open pits full of water with tailings everywhere. And uh, so, we've not much outcrop, <laughs> but we're doing some geophysics down here at the moment. And we think we our main carbonation shale units will run around to this side of the Gani area. But also, the block four equivalent would be over on this side of what is an intrusive body, which has been in place here. So, um, it's still early days on the Gani block, but we've got a lot of hope there that we'll find uh, another OCO main zone or block four within that uh, 1.2 kilometer of strike length.
1: Forgive my ignorance, but what's the, what's the Reunion
0: Block 4 story? Okay, so basically after we made the discovery here, uh, Reunion uh, already had this land down here in joint venture with uh, Brian Stevens, and they had old pits and old workings down here. So they came on, they did a, uh, some geophysics in a joint venture with Barrick and some soils, and they went out and they made their discovery at about uh, probably a year after our initial discovery at Yoko Main Zone, and they've had some pretty good hits. Uh, so they're, they're slightly behind us. As far as getting towards a resource but they're definitely uh drilling away down there and uh doing quite well
1: and their their target is both in the carbonaceous shells but also you said into a kind of it it, in a more competent rock off to the side is that correct is it and is that a similar target you've got a gunny
0: exactly so basically there's there's an intrusive which has popped in our our gani zone comes down north south has an inflection around and comes down here and that's it's our carb shales, and intrusion has been popped into that inflection, and their mineralization is on the western margin of that intrusion in sandstones. So it's actually slightly different uh part of the sequence. And so yeah. it's a slightly more disseminated style of mineralization than what we're seeing
1: at the OCO main zone. Okay. And um, why did you start drilling at the um at the Oco main zone? Why didn't you put in a uh, the first holes into Aramu, for example, which was a kind of a historic mine.
0: okay so we, we just uh, closed a deal with uh, Michael Vieira on the uh, claims over here at Oco. we had a $200,000 payment due in December <laughs> so we went straight to Oco and we drilled under a shaft. <laughs> okay so it always laughs at me, but that was our thinking at the time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's it's exploration 101 isn't it you, you, you do where you've got to go to get them to make the, to make the investment and you drill under or around an existing pit. And you you build your picture up around it
0: exactly. And we had Boas out there early on. Uh, he, he joined us just after that first hole. And there wasn't a lot of geology at surface to see, but there was enough structurally that he could figure it out. And when once we started drilling, uh, you get that data. And right? the, the, the drilling gives you the data of what the mineralization looks like. So that was uh, uh, important. But you do have to start somewhere. You got to start putting holes in. And uh, and but being very careful to log and figure out what the geometry of your system is.
1: And um, Boaz, now, do you, have you got an eye on the geology? Can you, can you see when you're into the good stuff when you're drilling at Oko Can you, can you say, oh, this is very interesting, you know, how, do, what does it look like when you're into the good, good stuff, apart from the visible gold?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so typically, the first thing you start to notice is the alteration patterns uh, on sort of the distal um Areas from the main high-grade core of the ore body. And we typically start to get an earlier phase of silica sericide alteration, um, particularly within the siltstones and sandstone units that are adjacent to the mudstone. So as you come out of the andesite and into the sediment package, um, you get these altered silts and sands, and then yep. eventually you, you hit a pretty sharp carbonaceous mudstone boundary and that alteration generally drops off, but sometimes it's still there as a weekly a sort of a weakly banded form uh, following specific bedding contacts. Um, but when you get into the carb shales, you start to get a distinct, uh, very uh, ductile style of deformation where you have very prominent shear cleavages developing. Um, and sometimes you can see rootless folds or, or um, you know, sort of S&C fabrics as well in the core. And then yeah. eventually you get uh, beyond the shear zones, which, which also have these sort of, dismembered narrow sort of centimeter scale uh, quartz, mainly quartz calcite plus pyrite veinlets uh, which carry some low-grade mineralization by low-grade I mean, between one to three grams. Um, and eventually you reach to sort of the core of the shear where you get um, just sort of shear failure and you have the emplacement of these laminated quartz vein structures. And that's typically where we have the high-grade goal um, being hosted. So. Um, much of the coarse gold that we see within the system are pretty much at or adjacent to these very distinctive carbonaceous laminations within the, uh, the quartz veins, and they're fairly frequent where, where they're well preserved within the veins. The laminations, that is, they occur at a frequency of uh, between 10 to 25 centimeters along the vein um, for the entire width of the veins, which are, you know, between one and a half to, to about eight meters wide, so... And then you you pretty much see the reverse as you as you go down the other side of the core and um, get either deeper into the sediment package or back into an adjacent um, intermediate volcanic unit.
1: And have you found these kind of carbonaceous laminations in this kind of ultra um, strained environment without gold? Or... In some areas,
2: yes, because we um, you know depending on where we are within the shears, and we believe that there are some very distinct domains where you've got subtle flexures and and these sort of irregular pockets that you get dilations um, or vein, vein dilations within the shears. But then they're, they're the opposite to that where we get into some very tight domains within the shears and the veins are not um, as true going, right? So we, for instance, see the shearing um, but we just get a very narrow vein intersection to the tune of about um, 30 to 50 centimeters. But that typically, Um, you know, it wouldn't give us a very hot assay, right? So uh, where we're within sort of northeast plunging zones uh, where we get very good continuity of our high grade is where we see these uh, very prominent and continuous dilations within the quartz vein structures themselves.
1: Classic, classic. um, um, Reduced pressure environment within a um, transpressional system. Um, So you'll get zones of compression where there's no fluid flow, no ability for the gold to be deposited. And then the zones where um, conditions are more favorable favorable for deposition. That's um, absolutely right, yes. And I saw on that slide that you put in uh, uh, 11 holes into OCO Northwest, and your assays are pending. But um, visually, are you seeing the same style of mineralization?
2: Yes, similar. So um, we've actually got a mineralization and straining within those rocks being manifested slightly differently, but, but, but in the adjacent units to the carbonaceous mudstone. So for instance, in a siltstone unit there, we have a pervasive, uh, again, a silica sericite alteration. Um, and we've got these very, um, fairly frequent, but narrow, like centimeter scale uh, sheeted veins within the hanging wall to uh, the carbonaceous mudstone units, um, which then have, uh, classic shear failure and the laminated veins being developed as well. So, um, what we what we've observed there so far is we've got the potential for sort of broader zones um, of mineralization hosted both within the uh, adjacent sandstone units as well as um, as well as where we've got the veining within the uh, sheared mudstones.
1: So, in a sense, you're you're comfortable that the the fertility of this of that 17 kilometre corridor is uh you can project it as far as i go northwest you've got that one area that um the, how was it uh tdm or something between that and aramu which you could have done less work on and was it my imagination or was there a kind of a corridor of mineralization and potentially kind of oblique structures within that or is that over interpreting
0: i think if, if you can see my screen now you can see it, we're basically in a big regional file which comes all the way from aramu and closes around Okay, and then heads back out to the west here. So, okay, we've probably a series of uh, drag folds along here, which generates the environment where we where we see the uh, gold deposition. Then we're further to the east, obviously, it's around that margin of the Bartica uh, batholith which is controlling that mineralization. And of course, we need those deep basin margin structures to feed the fluids up around those edges. So, it's we we obviously there'll be variability in, in the uh, amount of gold but certainly we see high grade at Aramu we see up to an ounce in trenches at Tracy we've had samples up to 20 14 grams at uh, okay northwest so there's certainly uh, the whole system has distinct high grade uh, veins within it but we see over here at okay northwest where we do get that more lower grade disseminated mineralization as well so still early days and but uh, yeah we we think because we're in this pinch point between these three batholiths, uh, that there's been a lot of deformation, a lot of fluid flow, and that, that's why we like to be in, in this area in general.
1: Um, great. Before you leave that slide, can I just ask, where's your drilling going this year?
0: Okay, so uh, it will be uh, most of most of the drilling will be at the Oko main zone, where we plan to uh, drill down to a depth of 700 to 800 metres down plunge. And so to extend that into an inferred, Uh, category, but also in Philly the inferred that we have to indicate it. And then we'll be more uh, selective and uh, opportunistic in these other target areas. We've actually split the team in two so that we have two geologists dedicated to um, uh, creating drill targets outside the OCO main zone. And as we bring these target areas up to drilling, we'll we'll then uh, drill there as well. And that would probably be maybe 10 to
1: 20% of, of the planned drilling between now and Christmas. Great. Right. And you, you mentioned that um, uh, somewhere in the, in, the, in the resource statement, you talk about shears four and five being open to the north. Is, is that kind of a down plunge extension? Is that what you're looking at?
0: Yeah, I think if we, if we look at this image here, th- these are the shapes from uh, the Micon uh, model. So you see, basically, the plunge is to the northeast, it's uh, net that plunge is the uh, F3 actual plane of the F3 folds. So it's plunging at 40 degrees to the northeast. And our deepest holes in shear 3 is 14 metres at 8 grams. In uh, shear 5, our deepest holes are 8.3 at 14.2 and 4.2 at 37. So we've, we projected that um, uh, those plunges, or that mineralization down plunge, uh, that hole at 4.2 at 37 was an 86 metre step-out down plunge to proof the concept, and it worked. So we're pretty comfortable with that. That is the direction of the mineralisation. And so we're going to basically step down here drilling um, at at a distance of probably uh, 75 metres spacing to get inferred as well as infilling uh, higher up to get to indicated in in what we already have. So that's uh, the main goal between now and uh, Christmas and put out another resource hopefully by the
1: end of the year. And that S5 um, shape that that narrows at its base, is is, is that narrow due to lack of drilling? Yes, correct.
0: <laughs> very, uh, they don't give us anything which, unless we've drilled it. So that's for, fair enough. But that shape should continue down, uh, on either side, it should, it should fatten out. And as we see here, the most, um, uh, on the edge here, we have 11.3 meters at 9.2. So that gradient and, and thickness is still continuing out to the uh west. So we, we, we think the shape should hang together all the way down. We don't see any reason why the geology changes. Uh, we are on that uh, north south limb of that regional fold, which is also an F3 fold, which has that same plunge of 40 degrees to 45. So the, the, and the mineralisation has come up that, that plane. So unless we, we don't see it stopping. I mean, at Aurora, we drilled down 2.2 kilometres. And Aurora is about 70 kilometres to the north of us in the same basin. So, um, yeah, we don't know when the mineralisation is going to stop, but we're, our goal is between now and the end of the year to drill it down to 700 to 800 metres.
1: You were involved with Aurora,
0: that's correct. So we were there at, uh, with Guiana Goldfields uh, at Aurora. So that was um, Patrick Sheridan, our executive chairman, was the yes. founder of yes. Guiana Goldfields in '96. So that, that that first holes was uh, discovery holes for 2004. Uh, we took that to feasibility and built it in 2016. Yeah, and that was a uh, it was a great discovery. And Zijin now has it, uh, and, and they're taking it underground. So it's uh, definitely a great deposit, slightly different in the sense that it's a—it's uh, more like a, it, the body itself forms almost a pipe shape, about 180 metres by 120, but it does have a, a folding control within it and Boaz is actually can talk to that more he, because Boaz worked with us out there as well and uh, he's the guy who unraveled the mysteries of that. And, um, yeah, so basically we understand what the geology is out there and it's the same basin that we're in, slightly different p- packaged uh, in the sequence, but um, certainly
1: in the same basin. Guys, oh, so did you cut your teeth on Aurora?
2: Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, we've basically got Aurora, the Rory's null deposit, which has upwards of 70% of the total resource uh, ounce inventory. And then we've got all of these other satellite de- uh, smaller satellite deposits, including East Walcott, Matkiss, uh, North Alec Hill, Alec Hill, etc. And effectively, what you've got is within what's called the golden square mile, sort of this K and a half by K and a half square, is a deposit scale fold uh, closure, right? Which has a very steeply dipping uh, northwest trending axial plane structure that's penetrative across all of the deposits, inclusive of Rory's north. And that fold is plunging about 72 degrees to about 325 degree uh, plunge direction. And that's subparallel parallel to the plunge of the Rory's Knoll pipe. So, um, across the deposits, if you go from the southwestern side, Alec Hill through to North Alec Hill, coming all the way back around the foreclosure to Rory's Knoll, you'll see that pretty much all of the mineralization is either hosted within uh, silicified and brecciated zones that's parallel to, um, to the plunge of that fold hinge or um, along these sort of narrow segmented discontinuous mm-hmm. veins that are. Parallel to the axial planar structure. So in a nutshell, that's that's what it looks like. And Aurora's model on that deposit scale was basically on this on, on a syncline that's adjacent to um, a series of anticlinal and synclinal closures, which hosted these walk at deposit just off to the west of that. So
1: you you clearly work there, but um how how useful has your understanding of, of Aurora been for your interpretation and your kind of exploration of um Oko?
2: It's taught us that the structural setting of these greenstone hosted uh, load gold deposits can be quite variable and you've really got to pay attention to the fundamental strain fabrics and the state of strain within the rocks when you're out exploring and and trying to understand these systems, particularly after the discovery has been made. I mean, um, at the Oko main zone, we've got, you know, genuine shear structures where we, we definitely get a bit of strike and lateral continuity on our deposits. Um, but what the Aurora system has really taught us is that you can get mineralization sometimes within the same sort of district that, that manifests quite differently depending on what structural regime you're, you're sitting in. So it's really important to pay attention to that um, and, and put all of the other exploration work within that context.
1: So no, no falling asleep at the, at the, when you're driving the geological bus
2: well you can't afford to I
1: mean, yeah it's
2: really important to remain disciplined in that respect which we,
1: truly yeah. Believe we yeah great thank you buzz that's really really helpful insight dan what what haven't we covered that you'd like to emphasize because i i feel as if i've learned a lot more about the style of mineralization and where you're going with it over the next um eight nine months um perhaps perhaps you know I, i've missed something uh tell us about your kind of longer-term plans are you are you going to drive another, um, another discovery into production? You know, what, what are your aims and, and, and what have I missed? No, I would
0: say uh, our goal between now and Christmas is basically just to make it bigger and then take it down to uh, twice the depth, but also hopefully find another um, OK main zone within those other seven, seven targets uh we came here looking for tier one assets because we think you can find them in guiana and that still is a goal it's not to rest on our laurels at the oko main zone sure we want to make it bigger and keep expanding it but we also want to make another discovery within that district because if we make another discovery there you already have reunion to the south of us it becomes a camp and it becomes something that when you go to sell it, becomes more valuable so our goal is not to build another one <laughs> we did that uh it's a long 12-year process uh, we're a bit too old for that this time. But we think also in Guyana, with, with the um, with the oil discovery and the advancing of, of Guyana uh, as rapidly as we see now in the infrastructure builds, there's a lot of companies who have come into Guyana and are looking to uh, become miners there from all the majors through to mid-tiers. So as far as being able to uh, sell the assets or sell the company to another producing uh, company, that's our goal. Our goal is not to build this ourselves. Our goal is to basically find a partner whose shares we like or, or who's just money we like, and, uh, and sell it on at some stage before we uh, drill it out to a 5 million ounce deposit. But that is not our goal here. Our goal is to show the size potential and find a partner who this project will fit into their uh, requirements of, of their production requirements moving forward. And so we're constantly aware of all the companies around us and uh, certainly a lot of interest from corporates uh obviously not between now and christmas between now and christmas we plan to basically uh take it down to double the depth but in the long term we would be looking to uh transact and uh you know reward our shareholders i
1: i, I know how painful it is to build a mine especially in this environment so i, can't, I completely understand the the push to keep exploring it's this i think it's the sensible thing to do um you mentioned that maybe 10 to 10 to 20 percent of your exploration budget this year is going to go on outside of the Oco zone do you have you have you Put that ranking together. Um, you, you, you quite like the ground to the south of Garnier Zone. You quite like the. Uh, you know, are you going to announce that? Is that just going kind to of, be a kind of a gradual process? You're going to hit things off. Have you got a ranking system? You know, how are you going to allocate that that capital and meterage? Well,
0: I think, like saying we really just split the team up into the, uh, the two GAs uh, uh, designated for that. And, like I say, we'll be opportunistic. Now, obviously, Ghani, because of its location, is a high priority target. Uh, the lack of outcrop there makes it a difficult, slightly difficult target, but the geophysics we're conducting currently will generate drill targets. And so we'll drill those geophysical targets. Um, at Oko OK Northwest, that'll be dependent on how those results come back. Uh, we have yep. a, it's a big area out there, right? so we still got a lot of um, uh, mapping and geophysics to do. At Aramu, uh, once again, that comes down to along that four-kilometre trend where we see these dilations or folding along that trend. So we'll, we'll drill holes, and then it's an iterative process. We we'll, we learn more every time we drill holes because we get some decent geology yeah. to look at. So, uh, no, it's hard to really say. Certainly, Oko Northeast, where that uh, uh, gold rush happened mm. in the early uh, 2000s, where supposedly 40,000 ounces was recovered, that is uh, a hot spot, and that's come out of the Oko Mountains. they're like Australian mountains, very small, but uh, they're laterite capped. So we're just starting to uh, get in there and then find out what is the source of all that gold. And so that should be a deeper volcanic part of the sequence. Uh, so we may see a different style of mineralization out there so um but obviously there's something shedding a lot of gold into those creeks so that's we're at different phases uh in all those areas uh but like i say we'll be opportunistic and it is an iterative process
1: right and is it difficult to go and drill a new area i mean is it i mean it looks heavily forested but are there road access was it deep you know deep rivers you know it, it choosing a new area is it how, what are, how much is the control, is the logistics on a, on a new area?
0: It's, it's not that bad, to tell you the truth. Um, like There's a road all the way up to Aramu, which is a government-maintained uh, road. Uh, out to the northeast, there's lots of old logging roads. Uh, we generally uh, drag the uh, drill rigs out there behind a D6 bulldozer. Uh, we have excavators. So the, the trails are generally good enough to get our machines out there. Um, obviously, some areas simpler than others. So along that trend out to Aramu, that's a, a golden road. That's no problem, right? But out to the northeast, they'll be old logging roads and may need a bit of uh, a repair. But we have our own D6 bulldozer. I
2: should add here that we, we do our very best to keep our environmental footprint as small as possible. So, where there is the opportunity to use all roads and trails, we definitely take, take advantage of that.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah. Good. Well, congratulations on a great discovery. Um, I know it's, you know, discovery is a process, but um, let's call it a three year discovery process so far. Um, I love a bit of high grade. I mean, who, what's not to like?
0: Exactly. <laughs>
1: grade and scale. Grade and scale. Yeah,
0: well, definitely, we've got the grade, and I think we're starting to show that we have the scale uh, already. But I think as we uh, take it down to seven, eight hundred meters, we'll see some, you know, a, a real scale on this, which becomes attractive once again. I say to, to producers. So that's our goal between now and the end of the year.
1: Great. Well, I look forward to seeing the updates. Thank you very much.
0: All right. Great to meet you, Mel.